The following episode may contain major spoilers for any adventure or plot details contained within the material. We strongly encourage players who are about to embark upon this adventure to stop and ask themselves if they really want to ruin the experience that their friends are crafting for them. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of Legend Lore, the podcast series where two Dungeon Masters flip through one tabletop RPG book at a time, giving their insights on the pros and cons of the publication in question. Hi and welcome back. I'm Adam and with me is Terry and today we're going over our thoughts on the Wizards of the Coast product, Keys from the Golden Vault. Terry, do you know anything about this book at all? I don't know anything. It, I imagine that it's maybe heist-related, <laughs> bank-related, something like that. That's what I'm expecting. But other than that, no. This is supposed to be a collection of about a dozen adventures that are heist-based. Um, there's been a lot of critique in the past that Dungeons & Dragons is not meant for heisting the same way that it's not meant for cosmic horror or chases. Like, 5th edition rules don't really line up with that. This book is kind of the answer to that, in theory. I also remember hearing rumors that this was directly related to a Magic the Gathering setting that we haven't seen yet in D&D, and yet everything I look up about it now, I don't find anything about that. So, okay. Um, so I'm curious about this, but before, it's still in the Amazon box for those of you who can't see this. Um, <laughs> so like we're, we have never cracked this open. We I've been sitting on this book now for about two weeks, um, but we are... Um, Going to kind of give our first impressions on this and figure out whether or not you should be spending your money on this and where to where to put this in your library. Is it an early purchase or a late one? So, um, or a not at all one. Mm. So, um, what do you hope to get out of a book about heists? Oh, I want some mechanics that we can transfer out of heists. You know, others kind of small room type stuff or things that we can make more interesting transferable things uh, maybe a couple of subclasses or class features would be nice uh, to buff up uh, like rogues or maybe even more like the flip side to something more like investigator related okay uh, could be good that's what I would hope for my big hope for this is that it gets modular like I can pull this heist out of whatever this book is like it's not one big story of heist after heist after heist so I could pull out one and plunk it into my own campaign. Yeah. Um, like, the whole total adventure, whatever the 40 pages is, bang, here we go. I change a couple of proper nouns and, I, and I'm good. Yeah. Um, the other thing about it is I would like to see stuff that isn't just trap, trap, combat, chase, trap. Yes. Right? I would like there to be some legitimate exploratory options and some role-playing, maybe. So, I'm not entirely certain what I'm looking for in that, but I hope it's in there somehow. Yeah. Um, what are your concerns? What do you not want to see in, in a book about heists? I think what you just said is a good point. I don't want it to be trap, trap, trap. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I don't... Like, I want to see traps. It just can't be just traps. Right? right, yeah. Yeah, um, what do I not want to see? I don't know. I don't really have anything that I do. I don't know because I don't know what's it. I'll know at the end what yeah. I'm disappointed in, if anything. But right now I'm kind of going in as like an open book. Like, okay, here's your chance. There's nothing I'm immediately saying no to, but what have you got? I'm kind of there with this at the moment. Sure. Uh, my big thing is I hope it's not just humanoids. Yeah. Right. I would like there to be a 
Dragon Run Bank or uh, one like the the guard dog is some sort of crazy ass monstrosity that's you know yes. I want it to be fantastical and fantasy and not just not just Las Vegas with elves you know right I I agree with what you're saying there because that even just a couple of examples of the guard dog not being a guard dog but being a monstrosity like you said yeah. teaches people to be creative that way in other elements of the game it's like permission to do that oh it's okay if this thing is usually this but we make it a bit weird yeah so all right let's uh let's cut this thing let's open let's do it oh this is a knife you're holding it looks like a fidget spinner oh something. yeah no, no no i had to go get one of these because i damn near cut my thumb off over christmas opening okay. all the amazon packages because nobody shops at malls anymore no <laughs> well i'm already happy because there's a fucking closet on the cover of it there we go <laughs> so that answers that. Um, let's uh, let's roll initiative and see who's going to start us off. Oh right. Okay. Sorry. Mine was in the way. So all right, here. Start again. Three and four. Four. Okay. We're, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing a hell of a job. Okay. So we played for years. <laughs> I love that. I love that idea that hey, I'm an experienced DM. I shouldn't roll anything yeah. under a ten. Exactly. Like, do you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> Um, keys from the Golden Vault. I didn't get the alternative cover. Um, the alternate cover's good. It's neat. It's cute. But it's, there's nothing to it. It's just like a, uh, metallic looking set of gears. Because it's a... Okay. Yeah, I get it. I'm not usually into those alternative covers anyway. Uh, keys from the Golden Vault. I have, I have two alternative covers that I picked up because I couldn't get the original ones. These ones are just way cheaper. And I hate it. I want to trade off with somebody, so... (laughs) Um, it just fucks up my, my shelf. Um, all right. A secretive organization called the Golden Vault. Oh, okay. They do that to us all yeah, the time. Like Dragon they? Heist had was Dragons the Coins, yeah. Yeah. Uh, seeks operatives to perpetrate dangerous heists. Um, so that's essentially a like organization acting as a patron. Um, these missions require careful planning and flawless execution. Keys from the Golden Vault. Is a collection of thirteen short standalone D and D adventures designed for characters levels one to eleven. These adventures can be placed in any setting, and you can run them as one shot game sessions or link them together into a campaign. It also includes in world maps to help players plan their heists. Perfect. I love all of that. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. All right, so crack it open. I love the feeling of like opening yeah, up the spine. Smell it. You should smell it. <laughs> I'm going to smell it oh. when the book gets handed to me. Um, I'm sure that this. Title page, the art on it will matter somehow. It'll mean something. Yeah, it'll mean something. It looks like a music box, but with uh, different dragons on it. Sure, it doesn't mean anything to me now. Yeah, see what I mean? There's the alternate cover. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's neat, but it's not... Like, I, I don't give a shit. And some people out there will love that style. And yeah. That's what they want every time. And that's fine. You guys do what you want. Um, credits to Project Leads on this were uh, Amanda Hammond. Heyman, I never know how to pronounce that. And Christopher Perkins. Um... Rules developer is Jeremy Crawford. I've got thoughts already. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's the same. The game architects are Crawford and Perkins like they always are. Kyle Brink is the executive producer. He, I think, is one of the major CEOs or whatnot of okay. Wizards of the Coast now because he he was the one that released his big public statement in the wake of all of this OGL nonsense. Right, so, okay. Um I'm not even going to comment on that shit. Um, no, okay. There's a disclaimer here. 
the Golden Vault cannot be held responsible for the infiltration of any uh, property by burglars or any other acquisition experts, or for the purloinment, that's a good word, of any belongings, regardless of their worth or current ownership status. The Golden Vault disavows any individuals who claim association with the organization, which is legally non-existent. Any individual who swindle, manipulate, take advantage of, or otherwise harm innocents are subject to the Golden Vault's legally imaginary scrutiny. Sure. Sure, okay. Do you think they're prepping people for when, like, Crawford and Perkins eventually move on or have a brain aneurysm or something like that? Like, who's taking over after these guys? Um, Like, they have entire departments of writers, and, and they've got, like... The project concept was done by Dan Barrett. Right. There are other editors in here. And there's some names here that I do recognize that have been on other um, other books and other projects in the past. But I think for the most part, they actually outsource a lot of their shit. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. I know a guy that uh, worked on something, but yeah. Um, I know a guy that worked on something. That's I didn't, very, want, I didn't very want to the... remember it wrong. Yeah, oh, that's did. fair. That's fair. Um, I met a man once. He had a face. Don't worry about it. But he works for one of those companies where it's like, well, we work for this company and we get hired by this other company when they have a contract and they had a contract with Wizards and we were like, so it was kind of one of those things and his uh, engineers are working on something. The cousin of the cousin of the cousin. Um, For the contents, it looks like we get an introduction, how to use the book essentially, uh, as well as a section on heist complications and a breakdown of who the Golden Vault is, and then it launches right into 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, they told us 13, 10, 11, 12, 13, Uh, and then there's, uh, yeah, there's 13 adventures. I don't see anything in here about player options, there's no bestiary, there's no (sighs) magic items. That's what I said I wanted. I thought, surely, a couple of class features or something, some player options. No, nothing. Because it's been so loose around some of the mechanics for this stuff. and The other thing I want to point out, too, is that we are at the tail end of 5th edition. Yeah. If they're going to put any time designing and balancing subclasses, it'll probably be focused on 1D&D and not 5th ed. Right. I wonder if the Lunar Sorcerer was the last one we're going to get. You know, man, I'm just, I'm going to have trouble adapting when we switch. You know, that's not the focus. Uh, I Oh, tell me about it. I'm dreading it because I know that the moment it comes out, we're going to be like, we already have, we know what episodes we're going to be doing up till episode 300. Like, it, and it's all fifth edition. Yeah. And they're going to release one D&D at episode 270 or something. And everyone's going to be like, what do you think? And I'll be like, I don't yet. Give me six months to read the books and learn the thing because right. we're, People tune into the podcast not to hear me learn it, right? Yeah. So, fuck. Um, anyway. Uh, there we go. I'm done my part. Here we go. Okay. Okay. So, the introduction first. Beautiful artwork on the left-hand side. A bit more of a... I like to talk about the art because sometimes it's a little bit different. Like, they change the style. This is very kind of uh, dreamy. I don't know how yeah. else to explain it other than that kind of blurry. As though you're watching a dream, I guess. Kind oh, of oh, hold on. So, there we have someone descending on a rope down right. the side of a building. On the cover, we have two people coming in through a skylight. Shall we count? Should we like we both have a beer? Shall we take a drink every time someone is descending on a rope? Right. In some <laughs> right. way, like it's this a- is clearly magical boots here as well. I would say. Okay, so for the introduction, um, a few lines here on a few paragraphs on uh, using the adventure mission briefing. 
So the characters recruit to undertake a specific job. Uh, in most cases, this involves procuring an object. So this seems to be like the structure of how it's going to be. They'll be assigned some kind of mission. And in most cases, procuring an object. We call it the MacGuffin. Yeah. Planning the heist. So it'll be up to the characters to investigate the heist location. It looks like learn about any obstacles they need to do and essentially strategize all of the heists. So it, doesn't, it sounds like they're not just going to get thrown into it. There's going to be some planning involved and then executing the heist and then even concluding the heist. Um, so their level of success determines their reward and how the story might progress beyond that. That excites me because there's levels of success to the heist. So it's not just a binary success or failure. That's really good. Like if you if you got to get, you know, there's the one object, but you have to get it out in this condition or without getting seen or like, and there's different fallout from different things. That's, right. That that makes it more interesting. Also, I like the idea that the players get to plan it, and it's not the DM with an NPC going, "Okay, so you're gonna go in the back entrance and like." Yeah, I, I like that. There's some agency given to the players. Here. Yeah, that's good. Next part here on this page is um. Uh, a few paragraphs on running the adventure itself, so creating the heist crew. Yeah, so some lines and advice on how to put together the right uh, kind of balanced party for the for the heist that you'll be undertaking. And then there is a list of the heists that are in here. It looks like there's 11 heists. No, sorry. There's 13. It says that, yeah, number 5 and number 8 double up. That's right. There's 13 heists, and then they're they're based on the level. And then there's a brief description of what, um, of what the mission will be for those. I'll just give two quick examples here. So the first one would be to retrieve a mysterious egg ensconced in a museum to avert disaster. Another example would be uh, retrieve a king's heart to save his kingdom from a terrible fate. Okay. Oh, oh my god, read the last one. I'm looking at this upside down. You should read the last one. The last one is, rest the Book of Vile Darkness from an Ifriti and his lackeys. The Book of Vile Darkness is the book that you use, traditionally speaking. I believe that that is the book that you use with Vecna's hand and eye mm. to be to like ascend to godhood. The Book of Vile Darkness has been around for a number of editions and is a famous artifact right. of like pure evil. So that's... That's the end of this. And at level 11, so I'm sure that you have to fight something that's CR 15 there. Right. This paragraph here on keys from the Golden Vault. So uh, just a quick line here. If the characters become Golden Vault operatives, they receive an ornate key-operated music box. There you go, Adam. Uh, from their handler. Each adventure in this book includes a using the Golden Vault section in which the Golden Vault dispatches a golden key to the group. It's a paragraph here on uh, operating in the shadows. A key NPC that I'll name as Mira Rahir. Complications that could arise from the heists. We have some key NPCs. Oh, there's a rival crew. Oh, mentioned. Neat. Rival crew motivations. Nice. You know what? Use these tables. That would be my advice because yeah, the amount cool. of thinking I could have saved if I just allowed myself to use random tables. And that's it for chapter one. That's hey? it for chapter one. I'll hand it back to you then. All right. I like the artwork in this. Is that a dinosaur? I am all over dinosaurs. It looks like a dinosaur. Oh, it's a museum of natural history. It says there's a little blurb here. Oh, that's perfect. So it's, it's not actually a living dinosaur. You are in a museum doing the heist for the first one. Uh, all right, I'm going to do the first. It's a 13. Let, how about I do three? We'll hand it back and forth. Sure. Times. Okay. Um, uh, the Merkmeyer Malevolence is the first one. Just really quickly, it looks like what we get here is uh, an adventure background. Uh, and then a section called Using the Golden Vault itself uh, with a little text block here. Uh, it starts out, Greetings, operatives. The Golden Vault has learned of the egg of an Eldritch Whore and so on and so forth. So it's like 
this is the um, the Get Smart or the Mission Impossible mission yep. that, you, and then the so thing blows up. It's an explode, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, there's. I wonder if that's what the music box is. It is. That's what the music box is for. It gives you the missions. Okay. Perfect. Um, then there's a cry for help. So there's clearly a you know inciting incident, and then the clock is ticking. Um, you get an NPC and a bunch of information about the egg itself. And then, okay, so that is not your standard battle map. You look at this here, Terry. Yeah, um, this is so like a... This, this is like it's hand-drawn hand by drawn NPC. sketch, that's right. Um, first floor and second floor of a small museum. You could blow this up to be as big or as small as you wanted, essentially. Um, I like that it doesn't have a like a key for one square is 10 feet. Like. I love it as well because they'll use it differently. Yeah. They'll use it as intended now instead of counting the squares yeah. and okay, well, that means they can most likely they won't be able to reach us from here and you know. Yeah. yeah. And I as a DM can adapt this far more easily without worrying about how is this going to line up with that hallway down there and all right. that shit, right? So um, there's an opening gala for this one. So, it looks like there's a lot of prep involved. You have to meet up with this NPC, Dr. Donnell, and then um, and get information about this. You understand the clock is ticking. Um, and then you end up going to a gala. There's a D12 table for museum guards. So you, there are 12 different guards you can stumble upon. And it gives you the uh, alignment and the race of each one so you have like a lawful good gnome a neutral evil human and these are all different guards there so that's great because that is something that people struggle with myself included is on the spot npc what you run into a guard who is he what does he look like what's their name all that's okay good we've got that right there to to make that adventure more interesting here's one just like they've all got a very very brief description here's an example um clark jonathan vanth is a lawful good human a young and naive individual that's all I need to know. I can flesh that out from there. And he's a museum guard. That's great. Um, alarms, animated statues, gemstone wings. So there's a bunch of like investigating security measures, circumventing security, hiding in the museum. The characters can hide in numerous locations when the museum closes. So that's part of this. Um, attending the gala. And then an actual breakdown of uh, what the... Natural History Museum. Oh, okay. So we do get a battle map as well. Oh, okay. That's more accurate than the handout that we would give the players. Okay. All so right. the DM will get this yeah. most likely. Yeah. It, it even says map 1.2 DM's DM's map. map. Right. Perfect. So uh, this is interesting because, yeah, I can play with this. This is good. Um, also, it's not a huge dungeon crawl. But it looks like there's a ton of shit to do everywhere. There's a lot going on. It's going to be map. zoomed right in. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going to be tiptoeing through this area. Um, and then uh, at the end, there's uh, the conclusion. If the characters escape the museum with the Merkmeyer stone, they can deliver it safely to Dr. Donnell. If the characters don't bring it by midnight, it hatches. And there's an eldritch horror that pops out of it. Um, I'm already taking notes. Right? For the Golden Vault uh, is, an, is the next section. If the characters are working for the Golden Vault, because I guess you can choose not to. Um, they must deliver the stone by midnight. Once they do, the organization rewards them. Then there's further adventures. If the mission is successful, if it's unsuccessful, is there another stone? Uh, do you investigate the hatchling? Do you reinstate Dr. Donnell? Is there a museum feeding frenzy? Oh, shit. <laughs> um, 
And then some information on the stone itself with a D12 table for what kind of weird shit is up with that one. And that's, yeah, that's a fully fledged one. God. I like that first one already, though. Yeah, sorry, I'm going to flip back table of contents. I want to see how long these are in general. Because that was 15 pages. The next one is roughly 14 pages. The one after that is 13 pages. Like, this is not a long book. No. It's, it's pretty short, but it looks like they're a consistent length. Great one-shots, probably. You want to know what this didn't have? Um, or at least I didn't catch it at the very beginning. It was a adventure for a level one party. Yeah. It said that on the table, right? Yeah. But there's nothing in here. There's nothing in this at all saying that I can't just turn this into a level eight. You know, I just raise a couple of DCs. Yeah. You know what I didn't see here? A shit ton of traps and a shit ton of, of combat, combat, trap, combat. That's like, right. This was an actual heist. Um, oh, yeah, we're going to do like three. Uh, again, we get the next one's called the Stygian Gambit. This one is um, an adventure background. Uh, skilled three dragon anti player and a shrewd tiefling entrepreneur uh, toured the gambling circuit for years. While in the circus, they meet a gnome gambler. Uh, they hit it off and they form a plan to save enough winnings to open their own casino. Just as they seem poised to put their plan in action, one of them disappears, taking all the money with them. Now, the other guy needs the characters to break into the vault of the Afterlife Casino, steal the uh, statue meant to be the prize of the casino's Three Dragon Anti-Tournament, and retrieve a share of the money from the vault. I hope it's a big statue, because that's interesting in itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like an egg or something, right? Yeah. It's a get this entire statue out. There's actually a little section here about role-playing um, the NPC itself. Too, okay. Which you don't get a whole lot of like direct... Um, like direction, direct direction uh, about how to play an NPC. Right. You usually get two or three quirks and a physical attribute, and that's it, right? That's right. Uh, again, we have kind of the, the setting up of all the information you need to know before the heist itself, um, and another really crudely drawn map, which is nice. I wonder if this player's map and DM's map thing is going to be a constant theme that we see. Right. Um, and then planning the heist... There's disguises, you need to get employee pass cards, and then uh, you get into the casino and you get to dick about in the casino for a while. I don't think this is... Sorry, i got to go back and take a look because I think we skimmed over this quickly. Um, where is the Golden Vault? Good aligned outer planes. It's membership, okay. So the Golden Vault is actually a bunch of good guys um, and it's associated with metallic dragons. Okay, interesting. This is not a Magic the Gathering campaign setting. No. Interesting. As a matter of fact, it's very vague about what the campaign setting is. So you can really drop this just about anywhere. Um, casino patrons, uh, and then you actually get a proper DM map. That that looks huge. I mean, it's a casino, right? Um, different locations within it. It's all, you know, busted up. The way that we recognize dungeons are broken down. And, right. Um, each room gets a different number and so on and so forth. Um, the, there are a bunch of different people that are here. There are a bunch of different behind the scenes areas where you're not supposed to be employee only areas. It actually says employee only area in some sections of it, which is kind of neat as well. And then a conclusion, if you return with the loot, if you return empty handed, and if you return with a specific object that is not the loot, um, and if you did it for the golden vault. So there's, yeah, there are usually different, like, success or failure um, uh, outcomes here. 
Next one is Reach for the Stars. Again, adventure background using the Golden Vault. Um, and then we're getting a lot of the same thing over and over. The adventure hook is uh, Marcos, Marcos Delphi's curiosity has taken a tragic turn. This is Reach for the Stars. A far realm entity called uh, Krokelmar has taken control of Marcos, compelling him to commit evil acts. Uh, he's using a book called the Celestial Codex to bring a part of Krokelmar into the world. The book's rightful owner hired adventurers to retrieve the Celestial Codex and prevent Marcos from using it. But these adventurers fell prey to the horrors of Delphi Mansion. A new group of adventurers, the players, must now complete the task. So you're going into a mansion to steal a book to stop evil. Sure. Like, that's, what, that's what we do. Right? Um, and then we've got very, very simplistic. Again, the player map is just almost useless, but there's there's some information there, right? I, I just love that, though. Yeah. I have handed out maps that are not much better than this in the past, and it's always wild. You, this happens. is like a back-of-the-napkin map, yeah. which maybe took you a minute or two to draw. I think there's actual coffee, coffee stains on the corner. I love it <laughs> how some of the, the little doodles are kind of ambiguous as to what it is. What is, what is, that, what is that thing? You know, um, I like that. I like it when it's not totally clear. Um, there are other adventure hooks on how to get this thing set up. Uh, you start off at a uh, camp, and then you get into the mansion itself. And we get into essentially dungeon crawl. There's a DM's map where everything is very simple and straightforward. A lot better details. Um, and uh, oh, that is that's a Nothic. That's that's going to be entertaining. Um, and then there's a wine cellar. Um, what happens if Marcos dies? What happens if he lives? What happens if you find other dead adventurers? Like, oh, here we go. We get a couple of stat blocks, but it's for actual. Like, characters. It's yeah, not, that's it's not the like NPC monsters. you just mentioned there, yeah. right? Yeah. And look at this. That is a suit of armor with a tentacle coming out of the head. I mean... Because it's an aspect. It's a fragment of Krokomar, which is some, like, great old one. Right. Right? So it's a, like a single tentacle that's moving around in a suit of armor because they couldn't get the whole body summoned. This is really cool. Here we go. I'm into it. It's already giving me so many ideas. I love the idea of the like employee passes and even like yeah. the employees only sections, which you wouldn't. Those areas would be in most like a tavern. It would be in that, but you never think to put that right. It's um, yeah. I like that. I've already got a lot of ideas that could overlap. Like I was saying, I was hoping for overlap. They could over overlap to like a dragon's lair. You could have a, a particularly busy dragon's lair with lots of kobolds that are beeping in and out as they. You know, <laughs> and there's different levels of cards. Each one of them in a little tuxedo. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, key card. Okay, um, so I'll do three. We have prisoner thirteen here. We have adventure backdrop uh, background. It looks like a tower. I imagine it's a prison, but it looks like a tower. Beautiful. Okay, so you get the adventure background. So Prisoner 13 is a dwarf named Corda Glenstone. Prior to her incarceration years ago, Corda was an ally and agent of Clan Axebreaker, a moderately influential dwarf clan in a stronghold called Gauntlegrim. Okay, great. Uh, adventure hooks. By reputation. Okay. After years of financial hardship due to their stolen fortune, the mountain dwarves of Clan Axebreaker have located the, mo the lost treasure but have been unable to access it. A representative of the clan, which is Baron Axebreaker, wishes to hire the characters to learn how to access the treasure. And then using the Golden Vault, so you get another mission briefing here, Baron's proposition, Baron Axebreaker is a lawful good dwarf noble. I can't remember the last time I had a dwarf noble in my campaign. I know it seems obvious, like they have kings and queens and that kind yeah. of stuff, but it's just... 
They're they're always scoundrels. Yeah, right. That's right. Uh, but this NPC contacts the characters to enlist their aid in retrieving the key. Baron's braided hair and beard are black with streaks of grey. The Breaker's map. We have another map here. This one's quite different, actually, in its style. This looks almost science fiction. Yeah, well, we see that with the text, like the font down here. Yeah, this looks like 1980s, like, sci-fi. This is that, like, Starship Troopers font right here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's right, that 1980s style. Lots of straight lines here. Yeah. Very cool. I haven't seen a D&D map like that. And it looks like it's it's a section map, like it's... It's from the side, it's not from above. Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, that, that's right, that's correct. Yeah, it is a cross-section map. Uh, details on cells, doors and hatches, patrol routes. I think my patrols and my campaigns are always kind of random. It's just like someone happens to be coming down the hallway. I never think of, you know, a perception check or an insight check from a player to realize that this is a set route after watching for a few yeah. minutes. Uh, the Devil's in the Details is uh, one paragraph here, one section uh, about entering the prison. Prisoner 13 herself. This is Prisoner 13. This is uh, this is Megan, I feel like, as a dwarf. If Megan was a dwarf, the yeah. The side shave with the reddy pinky hair over to one side. The Mike Tyson tattoo on the face. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, skull of one uh, Dan O'Coin in her, <laughs> in her hand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so a little bit about Prisoner 13, the key, meeting Prisoner 13, the treasure itself, the trek to the prison. What is this? Revel's End. Revel's End is a, a panopticon? What's a panopticon? Uh, that would be a prison, a prison configured. configured in such a way that the activities of the prisoners can be closely monitored from a central location. I like that as well. I'm going to be going heavy on the stealth checks with this, but not like how it traditionally is, like... Okay, you passed your stealth, so now you're sneaky throughout this entire massive room for the next mm-hmm. 10 minutes before I remember to ask you again. It's going to be like, I'm going to try and get 20 feet over in that direction. Uh, prisoner features, sorry, prison features for the doors and the hatches, the heating, the lighting. Lighting is one of the things that everybody always forgets. The prison guards and their stat blocks looks like they're veterans and the prisoners. Approaching the prison, so we get a little uh, text block here. Perched on a high cliff overlooking the sea of moving ice is a bleak stone fortress carved from a gigantic blade-shaped rock. Extreme cold, because it's up in the sea of moving ice, which is way up north, I believe, on the Sword Coast. If you keep heading north on the Sword Coast, you'll get to the sea of moving ice. Guards on watch, getting inside. Suspicion, so activities outside the daily routine of the prison draw attention from the guards. And again, that's something else which would overlap. As well, right? There's a table for it, too. Yeah, that's right. We have a table. So three levels of suspicion. What's this? Okay. So as the suspicion level increases, patrols become more frequent and the prison staff become increasingly vigilant. At suspension suspicion level six, the warden puts the prison on high alert. Oh, okay. So this will work in a similar way to exhaustion, probably. Like, you've got to take the level up and down. Oh, the, this, this feels to me like Grand Theft Auto with the stars. Yeah. Yeah, and then so high alert, so high alert signals for one minute, a warning horn blares throughout the prison and all lighted, uh, and all light created by continual flame spells in the prison take on a reddish blue. Prison deployment, where guards will deploy, see invisibility, the warden and all prison guards gain the benefit to see invisibility spell. Okay, it's interesting. It doesn't go into any more detail on how that happens. I think I might give a little bit more than just they can automatically see you now. Yeah. Patrol routes, certain locations... Guard rooms, the hospital, stables, the mess hall. Oh, there you go. That is the clear map. That okay. You get. Uh, with the grid oh, so it's not here. across a cross section. No, you're right. That's, it's uh, not. 
That's that, the sea of moving ice up here. Yeah, there we go. So that was a dock that wasn't that tower that we were... Right, yeah, okay. okay. All right. I like it. I like these different triangular sections up here. I, I yes. This is very interesting. It's very flavorful. It's very unique. This would drive me nuts to have to recreate on a fucking smaller map. Just like there's a lot of weird angles on this one. I get caught out with these large maps like this all the time because you can only fit so much on your grid square paper that you have. And the section that I think there's no way they'll start the combat here, it doesn't make sense, is what is what my party does. Players, man, I'm telling you. Yeah. I had a uh, quick 30-second side note. I was doing uh, something in Ice Spire Hold and Ice Spire Keep just recently on the rooftop of that. The 10% of that map, which I couldn't fit on, I thought they don't even need to go over there, was where the entire combat happened. That's It was the <laughs> part of the map that I did not draw. Okay, guard towers. What's in the armory? There's a spectator in the armory. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Courtyards, meeting room, storeroom. So the different sections. The privy, that's good to include that because nobody ever includes that. Adam, you do include I that. Always in have, I always have bathrooms. And you there's do. usually something weird going on in one of the bathrooms. And people hide in them. And they'll get, yep. when they've got to hide, they'll do what they need to do, which is also something you do in your adventures is you talk about like what they smell like, what they look like now. Yep. Like you, you bathed in shit. You've been hiding in shit for an hour. And, yep. and now you're walking around. Yeah. I, also, what do you find in every single porta potty Graffiti. And when you were dealing with, with privies and bathrooms and outhouses and whatnot, I always put clues in the graffiti oh, in the bathroom. Because that's what the guards are going to be like. You know, the night shift sucks. They're always falling asleep. Oh, okay. Now I know that, right? For good time, send message to yeah. this uh, <laughs> to this elf. Okay, prisoners with a random table here. So a few different NPC uh, prisoner examples. Surveillance hub and some stat blocks. Um, and then information on the consoles and controlling the gates from the central location, the barracks themselves, the warden's quarters. The, nothing's really been missed, and I like how they have different types of um, uh, creatures in each area that perhaps you wouldn't necessarily expect, like a spectator. Mm -hmm. That's good. The office. There's a section down there that looks like Prisoner 13's Tattoos. Oh, yeah. So role, the, the full section is role-playing Prisoner 13. So a few couple of paragraphs on that. And then Prisoner 13's Tattoos, which must be significant. So most of Prisoner 13's ink work is covered by her uniform. Her tattoos include the following. She has dwarven poetry. Oh, so do and I. That's an excerpt from yeah. a poem in dwarvish. I, what would a dwarvish poem sound like? Like in the real world, what would that be akin to? Um, Swedish? I guess yes. What's like some some Norse? What is what? What's the real world Dwarvish language? Probably probably something but, Norse. Yeah, right? some, yeah. it's got to be Norse, right? Or Scottish. Yeah, that's... I always liked using Russian for my dwarves because I think it's funny, mm -hmm. and it also makes them just a little bit more hardcore, <laughs> right? When you when you have been mining up in the Siberian North, like it's. There's a special kind of dwarf. There's a special kind of hardness yeah. top that uh, that uh, soft folk we can't understand. She has flame tattoos. She has a shroud. She has her full stat block as well. Her tattoos are very cool, actually. A couple of job stopper tattoos on her fingers there. Not well, the one on her face is probably going to do that. First. <laughs> That's true. That's true. She's camera off. She's camera off on that <laughs> job interview for sure. Um, and then the even specific questions uh, and the answers that she might have as well. Possible jail, jailbreak, trade for the key. The conclusion to the mission, so the loot that the party would come away with, and some magic items. Should I give one magic item away? Maybe they'll want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dust of disappearance. Could be a good one. I'll give you another one. Cape of water breathing. Hey, that's not bad. We had instructions for the golden ball afterwards. 
How come all of your artwork looks like sinister and bad? It's perfect for me as yeah. well. Yeah, that's that that last one we did. I really liked. It. I like this one as well. So this next um, adventure here is Talkworth's Clockworks. So the adventure background: the clockwork um, automatons that protect little Lockford. What is that? Little Lockford, uh, the creations of a gnome tinkerer named Tixie Talkworth, who recently such a gnome name, who recently decided <laughs> to become a mechanical being herself. Tixie Talkworth, who recently decided to become a mechanical being herself. Apparently. Uh, she is that beca- what we call it now when we put mechanical parts inside? Never mind. When they, our phones start getting plugged into us and stuff, yeah. They're not where I was going. We keep, keep moving on. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and this one's going to be... There's a section going into the Underdark. Looks like this one is in the Underdark. Nice. So we get a full D12 table here of Underdark encounters. So we see uh, we see Grells on there, Hook Horrors, Black Pudding. I love... I mean, I love. And the this DM. is at like level five. That's a bit wild. Yes. Yeah. Uh, meeting the mayor, so the mayor is a key NPC of this one. And then planning the heist, of course. The the features, Talkworth's automations that are in there. We get another um, hand drawn like uh, map. Kind of. What the hell am I looking at? It's di- so for the folks at home, it's kind of an it's kind of like a square sort of shape with each corner of the square has like a significant kind of island like section to it, and then there's like lanes or tunnels or pathways to the next corner. I see the word turbine. Is that what that like? Are those turbines that are moving like chain work or something? That must be that. Yeah, around the inside of the square there. That's crazy. I love it. I love how how imaginative this shit is and each one is so different from the others right yeah makes me realize how unimaginative i am when it's like <laughs> once again players you're in a giant cavern and it's black <laughs> it's like you always say it's, it's uh it's 2 a.m on a third or it's 2 p.m on a thursday it's bright and sunny out there's yeah. no breeze it's 19 degrees of cloudy yeah, yeah. that's right <laughs> the dungeon has a finely swept stone floor a moment ago it was dark, but now I've forgotten that. Everybody can see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the rewards for this mission then. A ruby ring worth 5,000 gold pieces. Boots of striding and springing. And a couple of others that I'll let you guys find out yourselves. Uh, shown the door so when the characters are ready to enter Little Lockford, they're led to the town's fortified entrance by Sergeant Yomad Cragknuckle, who's a neutral god, a neutral good deep gnome. Sorry, what was his name? His name is Sergeant Yobad. Sergeant Yombad Cragnuckle. 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 That's a great name for an ogre. They wasted that on a fucking gnome. On a gnome as well. A right. Deep gnome, Cragnuckle. Cragnuckle's a great first name for a for a uh, what did you say? Ogre. An ogre. Like no, his whole name is Cragnuckle. Cragnuckle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Craggery to his mother. So the little Lockford overviews then, so the general features, talks about the bridges that are in there, the individual buildings, which must be what we're on, the four squares there that I was talking about, so the four corners of the square, um, district elevations, the exterior lighting, magma, slag line. Magma. And then buildings of little Lockford as well. So this whole heist takes place in like a mining encampment, is that right? Yes, what that is, yeah. I mean, there's a bakery, a bathhouse. Where's the the DM map that'll give us a better... It's on this next page right here. So there's there's some wandering monsters uh, that are named here. And then we have the more detailed DM's map. Oh, Oh, yeah. It's it's like four individual little towns, I guess, would be the four corners of the, the square. 
this chain thing which is going around connecting so, them. that's like a chairlift to get people from one section to another? Because the center area now seems to be like a, it's like a deep drop, right? Into yeah. nothingness. And then there's a central area as well. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Okay, and then information about each of those areas. The turbine heights, the infirmary, the jail. Some information on if the turbine is damaged here and the switches and the controls of that. Okay, I feel like this turbine may play a key role in this, in how you can change the settings and stuff. And this is of, sorry, of each aisle. So that first one I was talking about there was the halfway aisle. Then there's the smaller town, which has its own features. It has a foundry, uh, a tavern, as Talkworth's workshop. This is another neat glimpse into, you know, Underdark life that we haven't seen before as well. Right. Nobody really, there's a lot going on down there, but we don't really know what it is. And we kind of just guess. Yeah. And it's like hard as we try it kind of just ends up being a series of large caves and tunnels still but it yeah. shouldn't be that there should be more to it the cave mouth itself and then the overlook so this one is different to the others in that there's a lot going on here and it's kind of small four kind of small towns we get some stat blocks as well for the clockwork defender clockwork observer tixie talkworth herself and that's kind of it for that one that one isn't as as closed and as uh tight as i suppose like the casino was and yeah but it's still very limited because you you saw you can only go one way around like right fairly linear this there's those different islands but if you're taking that chairlift or whatever it is that transportation method it only heads what was it clockwise counterclockwise yeah yeah that's right so my third mission then, Masterpiece in Broglio, so the adventure background, the, I'm getting all the good words here, the Cognoscenti <laughs> Esoterica <laughs> collects obscure objects of curious origin and historical significance, and the group's interests focus on items owned by powerful and popular individuals speculated to maintain uh, covert ties with the occult or nefarious organizations. Okay, we're going after a bunch of occult items, I would guess. Secret society level shit, you think? It's, uh, it sounds like that's what it is, yeah. So where are we? Uh, where are we going to here, though? So it's usually buried in the in the first paragraph oh, yeah. here, and it's right at the end. So uh, this is last one. In this adventure, the characters must retrieve the portrait uh, from the Agile Hands Guildhouse and return it uh, to a member of the Esoterica. So yeah, you, so you are infiltrating someone else's guildhouse. Oh, that's interesting. I like that one as well. <clears throat> okay. So there is an optional NPC that you can meet, Adrissa Karamot, um, who get, uh, is a neutral human mage who will give you some information. There's a deal that can be made here as well. Get information on what the NPC will know about how to get inside, about the guards that are there, the guild membership, the, the location of the portrait, uh, information for supply deliveries if the party wants to take advantage of that, and then information that other NPCs will know. The thing that I really like about this book, and much like we saw with Radiant Citadel and um, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, is every single one of these scenarios has one really well-fleshed-out NPC that I can lift and use for my own purposes in my homebrew campaign. Yeah. And they're usually high enough level or important enough that they will be able to go toe-to-toe with the players, at least in a role-playing standpoint. They're not like, Goblin number three, I don't know, I just poop in the corner. Right. right. Like, like, they've got legitimate characteristics, real motivations, real goals, and they've got uh, plausible reactions to shit that um, Wizards is 
They've done a lot of things wrong. Their NPC generation has not been bad. Like, they've been pretty fleshed out for the last few books. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, and I like that with the NPCs, they're they're bringing the NPCs are offering the sense of urgency, which can sometimes be difficult to come up with as a DM. Like yeah. you're trying to move the party along, and what is that ticking clock? But the NPCs in this in these adventures are bringing that. So the sense of urgency for this one NPC, um, it's likely that the Agile Hand is a buyer for the painting. Therefore, it's vital you recover it as quickly as possible before it ends up in an even more secure location. So again, planning the heist so the the uh, the party will get a map. They'll get some information on what's going on inside of that map. Uh, magical surveillance is going to be a part of this one as well. We get another hand-drawn map here. Uh, There's a lot of spells about magical surveillance that we don't really touch as mm-hmm. players and stuff. Like Arcane Eye and shit like that. Or most players would just pick up the next Chain Lightning. Yep. It's cool to see it getting used here. And it's going to teach new players. Because there's a lot of new players in 5th edition. It's going to teach players that aren't like super old school about using the other spells in unique ways. And when you take a long rest, you know what? I am going to take this odd one today for this reason. Yeah, I agree. And it also teaches the DMs how to make that uh, necessary as well. Because if you are just going for like chain lightning or or whatever it'll be, um, and you're just kind of becoming a blaster, if that is working because the DM is not, Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe they don't have access to a book like this where they're not putting the type of situation in front of you where you would need that. Why would you ever change? It's fun. You blow things up and that's all we need to do. You know, we yeah. talk to these people, we kill them. Well, I, and I mean, most of 5th Ed is, I mean, it's designed to be a combat simulator, right? So that's what we think of. But for all of the times that my parties split, and like across the landscape, the Druid and Ranger have gone off into the wilderness, right? And they need to be able to communicate back. Well, how far is message? Do we have any any special communication? What's the telepathy range on the... Man, take Skywrite. Literally write it in clouds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, there are spells exactly for this The shit. forgotten spells. Yeah, that we just don't pay attention to. Do, are we able to do an episode on forgotten spells? I don't know. Fuck, we are now. Can we yeah, fit it in? Let's just do right, it. Terry, you go ahead and read every spell in existence. I will. Yeah, and we'll we'll reconvene next week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so information on what's inside the guild house. It's a guild house, so there's secret doors. Um, this one has like stables, a hayloft, a livery, an office. I like that this one actually has interesting corridors that kind of double back on themselves and kind of it's maze-like. Oh, neat. Even okay. though you're yeah, going yeah, to yeah. it. That's great for combat. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, not that I'm saying just blast your way through it, but it's it's uh, it's great for interesting combat. I got a question. You're vaguely British. Um, <laughs> Less vague now. It's yeah. a, sorry, more vague now. Yeah. Uh, what's a livery? A lit. What the hell is a livery? Is it like a lounge? A livery? Well, I always knew a livery is like a like a uniform of some kind. Uh, I'm looking it up. I'm so curious now. I've seen that word before, and it's always been like. Like, at the manor, there's a livery. I, yeah, I only know in, like, the uniforms. That, like, your livery would be, like, your your uniform that you would wear, like, a kind of a servant's livery or, like, a livery on, like, a race car or something. Uh, it's a special uniform worn by a servant or official. However, also a livery stable is a stable where horses are kept at livery or let out for hire. Hold on, now I'm clicking on things. It is next to the stables. Um, it's a special design and color scheme used on vehicles, aircraft, or products of a particular company. I think uh, you had it right with the stables on. Yeah, a provision of food or clothing for servants. 
short for a livery stable. At livery is of a horse kept for the owner and fed and cared for. So it's just, it's just not quite the, the, um, what sort I'm looking for. This is not where they, like the stables, the proper stables behind the scenes where they're getting like brushed and fed. This is where they're on display with their colors. Right, oh. So that people can come, you know, see the Marvel horse. at them. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, we get some information here, similar to the prison, about if the guildhouse goes on high alert, uh, the key NPCs that will be in there, the guild member names. One guy's named Deadly Neil. Nell, sorry. I like Neil better. <laughs> Why is Neil deadly? <laughs> We've never asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody just keeps calling him that yeah. with like every gener- every member that joins, and nobody knows anymore. Zeke the sneak. When he first showed up, his name was Diddly Neil, but they misheard him <laughs> yeah, and that's <laughs> just telephone. Although, and he's been there the longest. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, uh, then we get the more detailed uh, DMs map here with the grid square information. Of course, what's in each section. There are a lot of little sections on this map. I mean, it's not quite Ravenloft, but you get that little small text box with two or three lines on on each uh, place. That leaves it up to the DM to do a whole bunch of of footwork himself to be able to put this shit together. But and where as a lot of people don't like that, that is where I'm going to be adding the bits and pieces for my character backgrounds. Right, like you know that in Strahd's dining room, I don't have room to put shit about my druid in there, right? That is Strahd's place. But hallway number four that has nondescript portraits in it, one of the portraits is your mother hanging from a tree, right? Like, this is where I get to put my own, like, contextual flavor in, in these kind of dead zones. So I'm glad we still get some of that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Or even if it's like there's a creature in there that that doesn't make sense for the campaign as you're running it. Okay, that's a place where something should be. I'll switch it out. Clearly, this is like a potential combat area or something. Yeah, great. Okay, so lots of those uh, little sections on uh, on the different areas within the the guild house. Couple of traps. Oh my goodness, this is the first trap, I think, that I've noticed. Maybe there was... I've seen seen a few. Okay. But they're few and far between. Most of them are like, the alarm goes off, right? Yeah. And then this, there's just a lot of areas within this map. And so it feels like I'm not saying a whole lot about it. It's because I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to go into detail on what's in the storage room. Um, but uh, but that we're getting a lot of explanation what's in there. But there is there is good stuff in there. And there's what are some variety. of the section titles? So, section titles. Just to so, give us some flavor. So there's like, the, there's the cellar, there's the eastern maze. Whatever's in the eastern maze, probably the section I showed you earlier. There's yeah. a storage room. Um, we have... Um, one of the NPCs room, a key office area here, courtyard, everything you would kind of expect in a guild house. Yeah, okay. So just guild housey bits. It's yeah. not like the catacombs underneath. No, well, I, mean, ca- I mean the eastern maze is pretty catacomby, but like right. there's no like mausoleum beneath the or the portal in the attic. Right. Um and then so it turns out the Constantinori's uh, portrait is a magic item. It is a sentient magic item. Sorry, it's Constantinori? Constantin Con- Constantori, sorry. Con- Con- yeah, I was going to be like, now it's, it's called cl- Istanori. Is that yeah, it? yeah. 
Constantori, Constantori. Oh my God! <laughs> this is a. T- this is like sorry. There's Look, like all an, language is made up, right? So. There's an Italian influence here. But we just throw it in. <laughs> I, I I do miss having Dan on the podcast just for ripping on someone who can't pronounce words. Constantori, but when it's made up words, yeah. it's hard. It's like you don't immediately see what it is. Constantori. Everybody laughs, but if you were here, you'd understand. I believe that's a chicken dish in yeah. Italy, right? As a personality. Um, it's a magic item with sentience. They give it a personality. It has a wealth of information that it cool. lists. It's a guardian portrait as well. They're good items. Uh, they're good uh, like, like guardian the, portraits. The portrait is a guardian or it's just a portrait of the guardian? Well, I, the guardian I portrait you, is a creature, though. Yeah, I assume you got to fight it, right? Yeah. Painting has three charges. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Okay. That's all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, pretty we go. much. All there right. All right, this one's yours. So, um, we are already pushing pretty late in this, and we've gone through half the book. Like I said, it's not a long book, mm. but it does seem relatively dense with information, right? In ways that some of the other books didn't, where yeah. it was just like, in the ice cavern, there are ice bats, right? There's more going on in this, right? Yes. Um, I'm going to flip back, and if you don't mind, Terry, I and even if you do mind, because we've got a time limit on this, sure. um, I want to go through... Um, Really quickly, we had the breakdown of what the heist adventures were. Yeah. So I'm just going to blitz through these one-sentence summaries of them. Yeah. Just so that people get a flavor of what this is. And then we'll we'll flip through until we see something that really... It really jumps out. That makes sense. Um, So after the uh, masterpiece Imbroglio, we have Axe from the Grave at level 6. Recover a stolen mandolin to lay a dead bard's spirit to rest. Okay. Um... I like that that's Axe from the Grave. I assume that's like an electric guitar axe. Like, um, we've got uh, Viterance Vault at level 7. Retrieve a stolen diadem from the vault of a notorious thief. Uh, shard of the Accursed is level 8. Use a magical shard to mend a giant's broken heart and save a town from destruction. That's cute and weird and different. And, and my mind went, I don't care about that dragon. Like, immediately. So <laughs> we'll work on that, Terry. Um, work on your compassion. Uh, number eight is Heart of Ashes. This one might be you, then. Okay. Yeah, okay, Heart of Ashes. Retrieve a king's heart to save his kingdom from a terrible fate. That sounds very similar to the previous one. But, um, Affair on the Concordant Express. Do you have any idea how many expressings? We're running horror on the Orient Express, and mm-hmm. everything I've seen in the last year has been trains. And I'm not a train guy. No. Right? But... It just seems, it's that thing, like, when you become aware of it, it's all you can see for the next little bit. Right. Affair on the Concordant Express at level 9. Obtain information from a stranger traveling aboard an interplanar train. Did you see Bullet Train? No. Pit? I think you'd like it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's wild. Did you see, um... I'm also not into train movies, generally, I find. Yeah, neither, neither am I. But this felt more like a... Snatch, Lockstock, Two Smoking yeah, Barrel, okay. Lucky Number Slevin. Like, there's just a bunch of characters that are all kind of intertwined and yeah. the story's told out of order. And I, I like that stuff. Like yeah. yeah. Um, and it's funny. I laughed because it was bizarre shit was happening. Brad so. Pitt's funny. He and is. That's not something that people point out about him very no, often. No, he, he is fucking funny. Um, party at Palisade Hall, snatch a diamond from an archmage in the Feywild. I can only assume that that goes poorly. That's for not going to go yeah. well for anybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Fire and Darkness is the last one. Rest the Book of Vile Darkness from an Efridi and his lackeys. So you're fighting genies. A genie. Yeah. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to... I'm going to... Oh, there we go. He's, he's jumping down from above. Oh, that's a, uh, a, ch- a Chasme, yeah. right? Oh, uh, yeah. If you look at that, 
That's the oh, uh, big, yeah. yeah, the demon. Great. Uh, you guys fought a shit ton of those. I was way thinking back in I the day. thought we fought those. Yeah. yeah. Um, going through real quick. I'm trying to get a layout. So this is the barred one, um, and it looks like it's sandcat. Oh, they built it with sandcastles instead of you getting a map. They show oh, they, right. they whoever it is. It's showing you where to go. It's built it with sandcastles. I like that. Yeah, has built this observatory. And then the DM gets an actual map to oh, run you through. I get so many. That's such a good ideas. fucking idea there. Um, very. And that's a great way to role play as the NPC because it's all you have. You're on a des- desert island. Just something yeah. builds it for you. So look at the map now. And now you don't have it anymore. Yeah. Um, we get a couple of different kinds of tieflings. Uh, one of them is blue. That'll piss off the purists. Um <laughs> Uh, that's one of my favorite arguments online because in one of the books it says they're uh, human colored through shades of red, and then all the art you see is blues and purples and greens. Right, and it was like that's not canon. Well, but guess what? It guess is what, now, motherfuckers. Yeah. So, um, this one is uh, Vidorn's Vault. So, the human colored tieflings are the most rare. Yeah. Like, when does anybody do that? Uh, apparently, in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Because that is a tiefling. The, one of the characters is straight up a tiefling, which is tiny little horns and otherwise looks like a regular girl. Right, right. Well, the the regular folks out there might be like, oh, they just ripped off Nightcrawler or something. Yeah. yeah so. um, this one is pretty standard. We're getting more of the like napkin kind of scroll. I do like that we get legitimate stick figures. That's good. Yeah, on this map. Um, as well as a whole bunch of like, you are straight up in like a private collection stealing gems and jewels this is the traditional steal from the rich kind of shit um that is a slinky lady in leather terry i know you're into this one i only saw her upside down internet i'll report back (laughs) you look you want to see them only upside down that's a shard of the accursed uh lots of looks like guards and ruins um infiltration plans Ooh, scraps of papers this is something this is something that I would like photocopy at work and then cut it out and make them find the scraps leading up to this to this heist. This feels so very you. All of the scraps together. Now we have enough of the map to be able to move. Now, forward. would you plan carefully where the where the lines are where you cut them or would you just kind of pull it apart and they see what they see. Uh, I like the way that they've done it on, normally I would do it myself, but it looks like they've done a pretty good job so that if you're missing any one piece, there's a significant portion of the map. Like you have to have all six scraps Mm -hmm. because if you cover any one of them, you're missing key information, right? I like the way that it's not even clear what's immediately off the map. As in like, it it could just be an extension of the room or a hallway or a closet. Yeah. It's never just a closet. Uh, Zeluin's tomb. Oh, so this is a big, like, this is an actual dungeon. Like, a dungeon heist. That is a creepy-looking 30-foot statue holding up a ceiling instead of a pillar. You see that? I like it. Yeah. Sorry, my silence there was trying to think of how I can incorporate this into my game. <laughs> That's just what I've done all the way through this book. I love it. <laughs> the, the the idea, okay, you're doing you're doing Rise of Tiamat. They, next time that they walk into a giant, like, there's pillars holding it up. You should have a statue of a dragon in the middle, and the wings are arched out and holding the ceiling up. Yes. I love it. Um, and they're going to be so scared of that statue. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a statue, but they're going to think that shit's going to come alive. Um... 
We get a ghost to talk to, Heart of Ashes. That looks like that looks like it is a palace, a uh, castle that is like coming apart into a black hole a in the sky. Hole. Like, yeah, Jesus. Um. All right, this was I think the one about the king's broken heart and how it's like destroying the kingdom around him. So, well, you know, can you imagine if uh, King Theoden? Uh, had like who was going through all of that like degradation of his soul and whatnot. But if the magic was more powerful in Lord of the Rings and more like visible, that it was also affecting the landscape around him and bringing right. it apart. Regional effects, yeah. yeah. So you have to like undo worm tongue shit to be able to. Well, he is just an unhappy looking bastard, isn't he? What's that? Aura? That is the king. Oh yeah, he's not happy. No, he's a he's a he's a dark dark individual. Um. And then, yeah, here we go. Magical train shit. Is there anything in here? We get <laughs> unknown like car, a... unknown car, unknown car, jail car. Great, companies. thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is more, this is like a blueprint that we yeah. get here. It is exactly that, actually. Um, guard patrols. Do we get a map? Why are they blue traditionally, Adam? What, blue, why is a blueprint blue like that? You must know this. Mm, no, I Dan not. might know. Dan, no. Dan doesn't know. Dan will claim he knows. And then he'll quote something that he read once, but it's not right. Why is a blueprint blue? The blueprinting paper, which is still white, is placed in an aqueous solution of potassium. Okay. The compound reacts with ammonium ferrous citrate and forms a compound called Prussian blue. And it's hydrated forms. Okay. All right. They Special kind of paper, special kind of ink. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, that is... Terry, that is a mind flayer in a fedora and trench coat. And I don't know how to feel about it. That is a fedora, as in like an Indiana Jones fedora. Not the commonly mistaken <laughs> trilby that yeah. people would say is a fedora. <laughs> as, I can't believe that I'm correcting people on that now. <laughs> you see somebody wearing a fedora. It's not a fedora. Um, Alright, this is this is cool. We get uh, Modrons up to shit. Uh, looks like a fancy party. Should I care about Modrons? I think that Modrons are slept on, but you're going to use them for three sessions in a campaign, but it's going to be a highlight of, of a campaign. It's okay. like it's like if you're going to play with pixies in a campaign, you know that that's going to be a thing you do for this geographical space, and then you move beyond it, you never go back to them. Yeah. But it can be wild and crazy and fey and like... But don't let that leak into the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's... Modrons, fun to visit, wouldn't want to live there. Sure. Like <laughs> <Right>? Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this looks like it's a big ass, like, mansion. Yeah, there's a big hall. I think it's a party that you're infiltrating. Uh, everybody looks fancy. This is the axe we were talking about with the bard. He looks like a bard. So no, 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 no. That was like four oh, adventures that was over. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 that's right. We just have multiple axes now. There's This is the one that takes place in the Feywild. Oh, and you gotta wow. go steal the thing from the manor in the Feywild. So, yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend doing that. Lots of different treasure, though. Is that a magical javelin there? Like um, javelin, that maybe? does look like a javelin, doesn't it? The oh, that's a quiver of El, of Elona. Okay, um, that's actually in the DMG. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, you have crossed the Fey, and shit has gone wrong, according to this art, right? Fey's, so, uh... Uh, and then we have fire and darkness. The last one that is. I'm hoping that is a statue and not a creature. That is that beautiful and terrifying. And I, I imagine the biggest demon face you can imagine. Like, like 
dwarfing the castle beside it. Yeah. And it's it's dripping lava or magma out of its Again, mouth. Again, just the image, though. I, I gotta yeah. steal that and I've gotta put it. Even if I just do that as a dragon head somewhere, it sure. works, right? Yeah. Um, and then. That's a creepy little doll with a human skull for a head. That's okay. <laughs> All right. This is fucking wild. I don't know why they're paying these guys, but... Uh, but they're doing a hell of a they're job. They're doing a hell of a job. We get a picture of the cover of the Book of Vile Darkness. You can tell it's not It's not a good time. Just on sight. If yeah. somebody was like, let's get that book, it's like, don't touch that book. Um, and then the index at the back kind of breaks down where the different sidebars are, um, where the stat blocks are, tables, maps, magic items, and so on and so forth. It looks like there are three new magic items that are littered throughout the book. Um, we've got sidebars for uh, cheating in the Stygian Gambit, uh, ashen creatures in Heart of Ashes, um, uh, tournament participants. So it's kind of giving you the the bits and pieces you need to know to flesh out the points of interest that I would come back to over and over and over again. Yeah. Right? Um, and then uh, all the different tables that are listed as well. And that's it. That's the whole damn book. There's nothing else to it. So... Let's uh, grab dice. I okay. have questions. I want to roll initiative. Okay, okay, okay. Throw mine down there. Is that eight? It wasn't. No, it's ten. Oh, I got a ten. I got a nineteen. Okay. All right. So my very first question, as with every episode, is: What are your overall impressions of the content? Um, I don't hate this. I think that this is delivering on what I promised, and it's not setting my world on fire with player options and monster stat blocks. But if I want to run heists, this is the book for heists, yes. right? It's not the book for traps, which is what I didn't want. It's not the books for, uh, or the book of um, the same kind of dungeon crawl kind of heist. Like, every one of these heists feels different, and it feels like you're actually engaging in a story and not just defeating an environment. Yeah. Right? And so, overall, I'm very happy with the fact that it delivered on what it said it was going to. Mm-hmm. I I love this book, actually. And I'm glad I do, because I really wanted to. Yeah. And I think what I love most is that you can drag and drop anything from this book, which is also what I wanted. Where did that be? I think I think drag and drop is your favorite battle tactic as well. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. It's, now it's bury them. And now it's dragon burrow. <laughs> yeah. Bury them. That's right. But it does work so well. Um, and whether that be uh, drag and drop the entire adventure, or just the map... Yeah. Or just the room, or just the NPC. It's you can it, drag and drop anything. It feels very, very modular. Like you can grab just about anything out of this and apply it to any campaign setting. I also feel like I could very easily adjust the levels on all of this. Did you notice that while we did get a handful of monsters involved, for the most part they're just NPCs or guards? And I mean, if I if my if I want to run this at a higher level, I will use a different NPC stat block instead of the guard one. I'll use the gladiator or the veteran or the whatever, depending on how high level they are. And I've changed nothing. It's still just as difficult, just as interesting, right? Um, how do you feel about the artwork? I think the artwork is really neat. There's not enough of it for my tastes because I, I liked everything I saw. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my only complaint is there's not enough in there, but also you don't want to get to the point where you can argue that it's filler yeah. and it's no content. I, you, the wizards, you know, they've got to balance it, but sure. I think I'm saying there's not enough because I enjoyed it so much because it's so good. I just, the one thing that I will give it though is that every single adventure has a really evocative um, splash page. Yes. 
right? It's not a double page like we sometimes get, but it is an evocative one big page spread. And the other cool thing about it is every one of them actually has a small little description sentence on it. Oh. So you know what you're looking at because a lot of the times in the other books, it's just a splash page of art and you're like, how does this apply? What is this? Where does this go? Right. right. So um, what grade do you give it overall? Um, this is a B plus. Yeah, it's that's what I want to say is, but I love it. I want to give it an A, but a couple of player options thrown in there would have maybe given it an A. So I'll give it a B plus. If it had given me a brand new campaign setting, that would have been really cool, which is what I thought. Originally, I thought this was supposed to be the new Capena, which was the... I think they announced it was going to be mm. um, New Capenna, which is one of the Magic the Gathering settings, which okay. is essentially a giant metropolis that's run by five mob bosses. And so there would have been different casinos and vaults and shit. Right. Um, and it looks like they abandoned that to go more with the um, Radiant Citadel and the Candlekeep Mysteries method of mini adventures over and over again. And I don't hate that. I like what I got. Yeah, because it's much more zoomed in then. Yeah. If you're bringing in f- different factions and stuff, you got to zoom out to give all of that information on each of them. And again, like I feel like 200 and some odd pages is not a lot. But if I got another dozen adventures, it would have just been more of the same at yes. higher levels. Which makes it harder and more difficult when you've got all of these spells I've got access to. And mm-hmm. um, So, what I honestly, what I would want from a, from a um, heist book... Would have been more contacts, more organizations, more traps, more different kinds of tools, more magic items to get you past this one thing, like yeah, right, this one-time use items that to, to get you through, or what happens when you double cross your fence and stuff like that, right? So yeah, that would have been really cool to see that. But the Golden Vault seems to be at least good aligned, so we're not playing the criminal underworld necessarily. That's not what this book is for. And that's okay, because what it what it does, it does well, right? And that is a kind of a... Having a, the Golden Vault as good aligned is a sneaky way of stopping your players, I think, from being murder hobos throughout this thing. Yeah. Let's just kill everything and take the thing. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, I like that. Yeah, B plus for me, definitely. B positive is also my blood type, if anybody out there ever notices I'm in a car accident or something. B positive. Uh, I, I will be very positive about you getting a car accident. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear the news? Yeah. <laughs> Um, when should someone add this publication to their library? Ah, uh, well, you, you go first, as you rule. Um, I'm probably when I'm serious about doing a full-blown campaign, like homebrew campaign. When I've run a couple, like I've done a starter set, I've done one of the Yawning Portal adventures, we dabbled in Curse of Strahd for a year, and now we're like, hey, I want to do my own thing. I want to do heists specifically. Um, There's a really cool idea in this book that I want, and I'm going to run one of these adventures. This is something that not everyone at the table needs to buy. The DM needs to buy it. And it's probably the 8th or 10th if you're running heists. If you're not, this book is not useful for you. Right. I agree. I think there's also a use case to buy it fairly early, particularly if you're a new DM or struggling DM, once you have your core box and maybe you got say a module, even if you're doing like uh, Fandelver or something, um, if 
you know, when it comes to like the lairs and the dungeons and stuff, if you're having trouble fleshing it out or you don't know necessarily what to do if you're spotted, that that level of escalation when everything goes on high alert and you kind of just need more information on, on how to run it in more detail, this will help you because you can drag and drop things, but you can also just steal the ideas and incorporate it into your own dungeon crawls. The other one that I'm going to do with this is more so than any of the other books so far, if I need to... We're taking a hiatus for the summer because two of the six players aren't playing and the other four want to keep going and someone else is going to step in as a DM. We know we have seven weeks to play, but of those, we're going to take two off. So, we, like, you know you got that really miniature campaign that it's not a one-shot, but it's not a campaign. Right. That's what this book is good for. If you want to... If you are if you are a pro at D&D, you've played it a bunch and you want to introduce a new group to it, this would be a good one too because, again, it's very straightforward. This is your goal. This is your map. Yes. Here you are. This is the NPC. These are the challenges in front of you. There's not a whole lot of sandbox shit going on here. Right. But there is still agency. Yeah. Which is important, right? Yeah. And you can you can add as much sandbox as you want gearing up for the heist itself. Or you can just say, here's your information. Let's go. This is what D&D is like. Yeah. Right? So, God, this book is actually more versatile than I thought it was it was going to be. Um, yeah. I'm pleasantly surprised. It, like, I'm giving it a B plus, but with like a... I was really expecting a C plus. It... it Surpassed my expectations. It's B plus. It's maybe even A minus. Yeah. I think I just wanted a couple of car- uh, player options, and that would have been it. I would have been totally sold. Any final thoughts before we wrap this episode up? Is this going on your Christmas list? Now? I, I think it is. Yeah. I really think it is. I think if you're, a, you know, if you've got a bit of writer's block as a DM, or you're just there's some things that are never totally clear to you with your dungeon calls and stuff. I think this is great, and it will really help you. Good random tables in there. Steal the NPCs. If you need them. Great side quests to pick up a MacGuffin. If you just need to get the MacGuffin and you don't know what to do, pick up this book and grab one of these things, right? and I'm going to do that. Like, my party, we're running Tyranny of Dragons. They've got one dragon mask left to find. Guess what? It's in one of these somewhere. (laughs) There we go. That's from one of the earlier ones. You know, we can just swap the magic item out. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this episode on Keys from the Golden Vault. If you have any questions, you can also email us at info at itsamimic.com or head over to www.itsamimic.com and support us by hitting that donate button or buying some merch. Thank you for listening to Legend Lore from the It's a Mimic podcast. New releases will be aired on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps, and previously published materials will be discussed on our Patreon. If you are interested in more tabletop role-playing game conversations, please browse the episode guide at www.itsamimic.com. Beauty. Great book. Beaut. <laughs>